This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. All right, I see all you guys coming in. I think we're excited about the Browns. Um, we're going to be slap happy here. Uh, you guys probably are too. Some of you probably stayed up celebrating. We stayed up right. Um, you know, halftime is my normal bedtime. But anyway, this will be our Civilized Barking um, post-game chat slash Friday chat slash Browns are going to the playoffs. Uh, Zach Jackson here with Jason Lloyd. Uh, you know, to us, we're going to go, you know, immediate term here and and bigger picture. You know, we didn't expect the Browns to lose to the Jets. We expected it to be a coronation. It was. Um, I don't think anybody expected 27 points right off the bat. But honestly, the way Flacco's going, it was a continuation of that. And in the second half, I think, Jason, they ran out of gas. And I, I don't mean like alarmingly, um, you know, more than any other team. I just think it's a short week, right? You're down on guys. Um, you used a lot of energy to get there, and, and they didn't have to do anything but slog to the finish. So there was one job, um, and, and the coach has done an amazing job on a lot of fronts. One of them is keeping guys locked in on one at a time. They've won four straight, and last night they just you know used those 10 or 12 explosive minutes and a handful of big plays to get a lead that they basically sat on, and that was fine and dandy with just about everyone. When, once Elijah Moore went down, I think they said, let's just run the ball and get the hell out of here. And and that was the right way to go. That was a smart way to go. But before that, watching Joe Flacco, who I'm barely older than, you're barely older than, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not really. So, Zach, I, I think you said during the game, it's like watching a bunch of nine-year-olds playing backyard, schoolyard football, and then the high school kid shows up and just starts ripping it all over the field. That's exactly what it feels like. I, I wrote that it feels like the all-time quarterback dad is just in the backyard throwing to his son and then this kid over here and then that kid over there. There is no way to properly describe what we are seeing with Joe Flacco because I, I it's never happened before. When, when have you ever heard of a guy 10 years past his prime? He's been irrelevant for three teams. And certainly for he's been terrible for the last three years to suddenly come in and start playing like he has been during this four game stretch. It is, it's the most remarkable. It's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen in my career. I tweeted last night, I covered LeBron and I saw LeBron do a lot of things that made you just shrug your, shrug your shoulders and shake your head and say, I don't know how to describe that because I've never seen that before. And that's what this feels like to see a, a almost 39 year old quarterback who this isn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, who've been elite throughout their careers and have had tremendous runs for the last 10 years. This is a guy who was on his couch who nobody in the league wanted, who looked like it was over, and who I thought and think I said and wrote, like, if this guy has to play, it's it's worst-case disaster for the Browns. <laughs> and and now he has more touchdown passes than, what is it, five? He has equal to or more touchdown passes than five NFL teams this year. He's 59 yards shy of passing Johnny Manziel on the Browns' all-time passing list, and he's doing it in five games. I throw my hands up and say, I don't know how to explain this. Just sit back and enjoy it because this is not reality and this isn't supposed to happen this way. With his next touchdown pass, there will be a three-way tie for the most touchdown, 20th most touchdown passes in Browns history. And Joe Flacco will tie Deshaun Watson and Charlie Fry with 14. <laughs> his next one. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's, it's nonsensical at this point. Yeah. So um, a couple quick thoughts. You know, I do think Kurt Warner had a, a short amount of time. All right, I'm, I'm going to look up those numbers today. He did. He was dismissed and done, and he was like 37, I think, and he had that big year out of nowhere. True. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, on the comeback trail. 
Um, I do think the rest has helped. I think he's talked about that. You know, his body's fresh. He was locked in. Um, he's, he's not dealing with minor. I mean, they put him on the injury report one day with the calf because you're supposed to follow the injury report rules. Right. And, and he needed some extra treatment. He was held out of a part of a practice period. And that was that, you know, I think the freshness helps. I, I think he's hot. I, I, I do. I'm, I'm a believer in like mojo and, and momentum. And I think it was Njoku's second catch last night. You know, it was that part of the field where if you're looking down, the play of, develops right in front of us, right? And the Jets knew exactly what was coming. And C.J. Mosley specifically knew what was coming. And it was such a piss missile that he couldn't get there in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so this is C.J. Mosley, who's Ben Flacco's teammate on two different teams, who's probably picked him off in practice a hundred times, right? And couldn't get there to the yeah. ball last night, <laughs> right? Um, so I, there's that. And, you know, there's the, he's a fit in this offense. Um, the Jets didn't cover Najoku. You know, I didn't get too much into it. We're into our own thing, but Sauce Gardner said after the game, we had worked all week on me covering Cooper. And, and that's one of those, or, you know, shadowing Cooper. That's one of those things that comes off as clumsy and is, but it's a real thing, especially in a short week. You don't have real practices. You have a plan and they took advantage of Njoku being lost. I mean, the two, the two to Elijah Moore, one, the fortunate one, right? The corner should pick it off. Instead, it bounces into Moore's lap for 24 yards, and then the touchdown. I mean, he's throwing it before he comes out of the break. He's just right there. They're finally covering Njoku on that, so he's got single on the outside, and all Moore has to do is run the right route, and as soon as he turns, the ball's on him, right? And he's ready for it because he's played with Joe Flacco before. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I think it's totally fair to throw out the LeBron word. It's totally fair to say best story in the NFL and all of those things, right? And um, even if that's getting a, a little ahead of things, it, it doesn't feel like that it is because you know this is a team that has had a good year and obviously has a good team and a defense that's been really good is energized by it and Amari Cooper who's been really good is energized by it and Njoku who mysteriously had an awful first month or so of the season started playing well with multiple quarterbacks and has taken it to a whole new level with this guy and and they're riding it here and you know the, the comeback in the fourth quarter with the Bears gives you some wiggle room. You go ahead and win the next two anyway um, in completely dominating fashion. I, I, I just continue to say I was impressed with last week. Yes, it was Case Keenum, but it was still a road game against a team that needed to win. You know, And it was a natural letdown spot, and they throttled them. And then last night, they just put it on them to the point where the Jets weren't going to score that many points regardless of how it went, and one field goal in the second half was enough for the Browns. So um, as you guys probably know, the situation is if Miami wins on Sunday, the Browns are alive for the division, for the number one seed, um, you know, for, for all of those things. If the Baltimore wins, then the Browns are locked in at five and almost surely locked into playing the AFC South. Now, if Kansas City continues to falter, there is a scenario where um, Kansas City could, could slip to number four. It's Bengals at Kansas City on Sunday, and that's a big one for multiple reasons too, because the Bengals are trying to stay alive and make their game mean something against the Browns. And basically what, what that would mean to the Browns if the Ravens win is just that it could get, be a Saturday night or Sunday night game. You know, it's probably headed for uh, Buffalo Miami on Sunday being the marquee game or one of the NFC games, depending on how the rest of their playoff thing shakes out. But the Browns have earned the right to rest. Now you can't rest everybody. 
And hell, maybe they won't rest anybody because maybe the Browns, maybe the Ravens will come crashing back to earth. Um, you know, I know a lot of Browns fans and, and I get this thinking like, hey, we're fine. Just be the five. And, and they're going to be a tough out, Jason. Like nobody wants to play them in week one, specifically whomever wins the AFC South because Correct. the Browns have already beaten those teams. And the Browns are better than those teams, given Jackson, all of those teams, given Jacksonville's, um, you know, ragged, uncertain state. I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to play. He's got a bunch of injuries, including a new shoulder here. But because of the defense and because of Flacco, nobody wants to see him. And then, you know, guys, we're looking at a scenario where the Browns win as the five. Everything holds serve as to how it is. Uh, if that's the case, then the second weekend would be Joe Flacco in Baltimore. Sign me up. That would be an incredible story. And I, I wrote about it last night, but real quick, I just have to mention two things. Number one, I was talking to a couple of players in the locker room about when Flacco got here. And, and T.C. McCartney is a Browns tight ends coach. He was Joe's quarterback's coach in Denver. They're one year in Denver together. And, and I was told that, you know, T.C. tried telling the players, hey, listen, this guy can play. He can still spin it. And, and no one really knew what to expect. And they just sort of, whatever. Okay, we'll see. And Flacco really impressed the Browns with his with his workout, with his arm strength. He was the only one they worked out. They brought in some street guys for him to throw to he's never seen before, and, and he was cooking in the workout. They saw everything they needed to see. They worked him out, obviously, what was it, on a Friday, and then signed him on the following Monday after the Steelers game. And then he comes out and starts running scout team, and he, he starts putting up touchdowns with the scout team against this Browns defense, the starting defense, this really, really good defense that you see on Sunday. Joe was cooking them, and it was one touchdown, and then another, and then another. And the offensive guys are starting to look around going, this isn't normal. You're not supposed to be able to score with the scout team, particularly against this Browns defense. And that's when they kind of knew, okay, what, what do we have here? What's going on? And then uh, – but they were still with Dorian. Like, it was going to be Dorian. And then he goes down, obviously, against Denver, and they felt really good at the time about putting Flacco in just because of what they saw during the workout, just what they saw on scout team. And the way that he was just ripping the ball on scout team and, and the rest is history. And so after the game last night, I've been joking about this for a couple of weeks now. After the game last night, as Joe starts to get undressed, I said, hey, I got to ask you, you know, when when Jake Browning came in and st- came out of nowhere and started dropping 300 yard games, the league drug tested him. Have they drug tested you yet? And he cracked up. He thought it was great. And he said, I didn't I didn't realize this, but it makes perfect sense. He said, guys, during the first week of training camp, everybody gets tagged and you have to go take your street drug test and your PED test uh, within the first week of training camp. Guys who, obviously, he wasn't in camp. No, He wasn't with anyone. So when you come in off the street like that, you do it immediately. As soon as you sign your contract, you get drug tested. So he did get the PED test when he signed with the Browns. But he said, like, I'm sure there's another one coming. It's random, but it's really not. And he laughed and said, I'm sure there's another one coming. Uh, and I just, I just thought that was great because I, there, other than PEDs, I don't know how you explain what we've seen so far. But uh, you know, it's funny when you have the, the playoff conversation. I actually think they're better off just having Baltimore hold serve, beat Miami, take away the unknown, and then sit as many guys as you can. We talked about it last night. I'd sit Flacco for the Bengals game, provided that it's over and that they don't win the division. I'd sit Joe. I sit Antonio. I sit Amari. Bye week was a long time ago, and some of these guys really need to get off their feet. I understand your point. You can't sit everyone, but those three in particular, I for yeah. sure am sitting. 
And Denz, Denzel's been on a pitch count since he came back. Yeah, he's uh, out. He, I they, said him too. They fully rotated the safeties last night. I haven't looked at the snap counts yet, but it seemed like they were going in shifts. It seems like Thornhill and Hickman were playing, and then Harmon and, and Bell were playing. Um, yeah, you, you keep Anthony Walker out, you know. Um, now, now there there are layers to that, guys, because you know you get forty six spots plus the two, or you get forty six active spots, and you can you have fifty three guys you can bring up two from the practice squad. So if you have to bring up your kicker and your punter from the practice squad. Um, then that doesn't leave you any more spots. But you do have like backup linebackers that can play snaps. A lot of those guys play special teams. And hey, that, that's that's part of what's worked here, right? Ventrone got a few guys. Um, and then Diabate made the team for special teams. And then Hickman made the team because they didn't want to expose him to the waiver wire. And, and he scores a touchdown last night. He's played great for a month, right? Um, it's just, it's what's worked, right? They, they hit on the first day of free agency, Tomlinson and Obo. Um, you know, they haven't, had double hits on the first day of free agency. Most teams don't, you know, it's, it's dangerous territory, but they did. Then they hit Shelby Harris in the middle of August, right? All leading up to Joe Flacco on the week of Thanksgiving, signing with the practice squad. Uh, I see the questions about the injuries, you know, Amari wanted to play. He wasn't good enough. Amari has a bunch of lingering things and has been nursed through practice. Um, he would play. If, if they really, really needed him last night, he would have played. If they really needed him next Sunday, he would play. He, he will be as good as can be. Delpit is eligible week one of the playoffs, and I was told there's a chance that he would be able to, to play the first game of the playoffs, but I don't believe anyone's counting on that. Now, again, we're still uh, 11 days from that week even starting, so we'll see. I, I really don't know on Obo, um, and I think, that they must be holding out hope because they need a roster spot and they have not put him on IR. And obviously if it is torn, if he needs surgery, he's not coming back even if you make it to February. So you would just go ahead and IR him. So that'll be telling there. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. So, you know, we're going to count on Elijah Moore with what looked to be a really scary concussion being out for at least a week. Um, you know, you would hope that Thornhill can, can avoid another flare up of that. Anthony Walker, if you need him, could play next week, but you probably don't. So again, we'll see there. That that's the updates. Kevin's not going to give any more updates, and we'll just see. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, and I, I'm I'm sure Kevin won't talk about it. I'm not sure you fully sit Joe. I think you might play him for a little bit because this offense is still working on things. But it, it depends on how many linemen you have, and then what your situation is. You know, I, I think Miles will want to be active and want and beg to play. Yep. Now, past past the second quarter, you know, or even is it smart to have him out there at all? I don't know. That th- these are hard decisions. Um, the Browns, Stefanski, Barry, everybody involved is on a pretty good run of making good decisions. And maybe Flacco was the only realistic option, right? You talk about the connection there with TC McCartney. You know, you talk about Elijah Moore being in the room and saying, um, you know, the only other guy he knew was Darius Smith. And I, I want to give credit to those guys you know, you, you don't ever have 53 choir boys you don't ever have on any sport let alone any professional sport um a season without drama and guys that want the ball more and want paid more and think they should be playing and ex-assistant coach thinking that head coach or gm is a dumbass and all of those things you know elijah moore and zadarius smith had reputations of of being locker room killers the browns took a chance on those guys they've been great Right. Miles had a reputation of being out for miles. He's been great. 
you bring in Oboe and Dalvin, and they're a huge part of the closest group on the team, the defensive line. Shelby Harris playing his ass off. Blocks a field goal last night, right? Like dismissed by the Seahawks who, who, who cut both of their starting defensive tackles. Nobody signs him until mid-August. And he is a starter and an impact player on the best defense in the league. And now he's playing more snaps because Mo Hurst, who didn't play at all for two years, is hurt. But he played his ass off when he was in there. They're just on one, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you've said it all year long. Go back to week one. Jim Schwartz walking through that locker room like he was Conor McGregor. Like, we know we got something. <laughs> and what do you see last night? Jim Schwartz running around the field like a little kid grabbing Zedarius and saying, you're not going in the locker room until you go high-five the fans. Yeah. You know? And, and so what, what can be replicated in this? What comes of quarterback? What happens if they don't stop turning the ball over? Or if some team in the playoffs puts them down 14 instead of them putting everyone down 14? We'll see. We'll see. You know, them winning a first playoff game is not a given. Um, but this is fun. And, you know, speaking for me, because that's what I know best, this is a likable team. Um, the, the quarterback coming in has has made it more fun in what he's done. You just see the body language. Uh, I mean, I think I said this on the live chat. I don't know if you guys were all here. But in Houston, you sit on top of the dome, level eight, and it might as well be level 18. And he's launching these fucking passes. And I can tell in Amari's body language when he's five steps from it that he's just, he knows he's going to get it. And you can just, you've seen Amari for three weeks walk around with this real smile on his face. And Amari, I don't know. Amari plays chess. I don't know if he plays poker. But what's Amari's normal look? You'd think he's a pretty good poker player, right? He's pretty low-key. He can't stop smiling. (laughs) So you get him healthy and you see where you ride this. Um, Before we get out of here, let's, you you wrote this week the Flacco can't come back. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been staunch that, like, look, there's no sense in talking about Watson or what was or any of that. But, I mean, this is an amazing situation, right? This is the story of the league. This is arguably the story of sports right right now. And this is a guy that's changed an offense in a franchise. And I, I mostly agree with you, Jason, that he can't come back. Um you know, the Browns can cut him a secret deal that every year he comes back as a celebrity guitar smasher, they'll throw him an extra million bucks or something like that. Right? He'll do the occasional interview when he's not, you know, doing whatever he's going to do post-career. But, I mean, he he's going to have a football career for as long as he wants to. Because 32 teams, including the Browns, decided they didn't need him. <laughs> right? They, they worked out, guys. They brought in P.J. Walker when the freaking Chicago Bears cut him. Yep. You know, the Jets didn't call him all year. He lives in New Jersey. <laughs> he played for the Jets. <laughs> but, like, especially with how it's gone this year, you know, the Browns and the Jets have both played four quarterbacks. The Vikings, like the Browns, are in playoff contention, playing all these quarterbacks. Um, for You know, they're, they're on four as well. Like, teams are going to take extra care in doing this. Somebody's going to give Joe Flacco some money. And somebody, rightly, I think, I mean, I know Father Time is undefeated. Somebody's rightly going to think this guy can win him games. And, you know, I, I don't know. We don't know exactly what the dynamic is going to be here. Um, but, man, it is headed for some awkwardness, isn't it? I think I, 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 the longer this goes and the better he plays, I'm more and more convinced you cannot bring him back. And I saw a comment. Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to mention it quickly, too. I saw a comment in there, I think, from Mike asking me about the story I wrote and 
it's not just the psyche of Watson. It's the entire vibe of the locker room. Because if Deshaun, the first time he doesn't play well next year, guys in that locker room are going to be looking over at Joe like, hey, why aren't we playing him? Right. And and you can't do that to a locker room. We saw when when Brock Purdy established himself in San Francisco, they got Jimmy Garoppolo the hell up out of there. And and that's just the way that it, it has to be. If you want unity and harmony in the locker room, it has to be this way. You cannot bring him back. Beyond the idea of do they really want to carry three quarterbacks on the fifty three, you're right. He probably earned I mean, he's probably earned at least three or four million for next year, if not more. Can you afford to pay that when you are paying the starting quarterback sixty four million dollars next year? And and it goes on and on. But the more the, the part that you can't see is I mean, everybody knows I'm not going to say it's a large portion. I'm not going to say it's a majority. I'm going to say there is a significant portion of the fan base that never wanted Deshaun here in the first place. And they are chanting Joe Flacco's name in the stadium. Mm-hmm. You can't do that next year. You can't, you, when, you can't bring him back when you are married to Deshaun. And they are married to Deshaun. And you cannot get out of that contract, nor do, you know, I, I don't know if I'd say it. I don't know if they want to or not. It doesn't matter. They can't. They cannot get out of it. His dead cap hit, we've talked about it, is bigger than the entire payroll. He's the quarterback next year. That's the way it is. And you can't have this guy back in the locker room for a variety of reasons. Everybody would want him back. I would love to have him back. It's a phenomenal story. I think it's wonderful. You would love to have him back. It's just not the reality that they live in right now. Uh, and we can have, we'll spend all offseason. I've said before, this is going to be a nuclear war this offseason with Browns fans. It's got all the fixings. It's got sex. It's got race. It's got everything you want Uh, to be just a pressure cooker. And it's going to be, I'm actually not looking forward to it. So I just keep telling people, just enjoy this ride. Just enjoy it. Because it's going to be an ugly offseason of Browns fans fighting over who they want at the quarterback. So enjoy the hell out of this while it lasts. Because this is fun. And it's the best story in the league. You're right. It's the best story in the league. And Tim Graham our excellent Buffalo writer. He and I are going to go back and forth this week on a debate piece or next week, I guess. Who's the comeback player of the, of the year, DeMar Hamlin or Joe Flacco. To me, I, I the DeMar Hamlin story is wonderful, but Joe Flacco is the comeback player of the year. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. Like it's hands down. And, and look, as talking about it doesn't mean that we're not enjoying this thing or you shouldn't be enjoying this thing. Um, there are realities, you know, the Kansas city chiefs stink right now in part because they don't have any receivers and they were put into a spot and made the decision not to scramble and keep Tyree killed. They let him move on. Right. And it showed up. They have an awful receiving core um, with a hall of fame quarterback and their offense has been stuck in the mud all year, but 10 months ago they won the Super Bowl, Right. So like when you do this, you know, you make all sorts of long-term decisions, some that prove to be right, some that prove to be wrong. And even the best teams, front offices, GMs, do some that have to be wrong. This Browns team has been adaptable, right? But your moment comes and it's got to be right now. You know, two years ago, no one saw the Cincinnati Bengals coming. No one, no one, not me. I'm the biggest Joe Burrow fan in the world, have been since I 50, he was 16 years old, right? Um, you know, no one saw Joe Flacco coming, different circumstance because he's been in the league 14 more years than Joe Burrow, right? Maybe the Browns magic month is right now. Maybe you can carry it on. Um, you don't know how it's going to go. You got to seize it. And in that locker room, two things. These guys have bought in to Stefanski's one at a time, next man up, all the coaching cliches. 
all the stupid shit. They're wearing these um, warehouse factory shirts with name tags on them because we go to work. Everybody's excited about the celebrity guitar smasher, the cheesiest shit in the world. When you're winning, it works. Winning is the greatest deodorant, right? The vibes are great. And so when you have one of these windows, you got to go for it. And in that locker room where they've bought into the one day at a time, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's Miles Garrett or Ronnie Hickman, um, you know, they have completely bought into that, but they believe they're going to be real trouble in January. And that defense has long been good enough to drag somebody into a fight that they don't want to be in, in a one and done type setting. But now that the offense is doing this, yes. And if they do win a playoff game, if they do win two playoff games, and this is a completely feasible scenario, then the future gets more awkward. And you don't know who the heroes are going to be, right? Like the guys who had their money rolled forward for salary cap purposes are going to be on this team, right? And obviously Martin Emerson's going to be on this team, you know, and obviously Ronnie Hickman's going to make the team again. You know, um, Jed Wills has 15 million fully guaranteed. Unless you can trade him, he's going to be on the team. But you don't know in this league. You you just truly don't know who's going to be here, who's going to be available. Uh, I mean, Joel's staring the end of his career in the face. Yep. Right? Um, he's 31 years old and his body's beat. You know, Wyatt is playing his ass off and has a calf injury for three years that won't go away. And they had a week five by week. You know? So you just don't know. I mean, the joke has been heard every year except this one. So, um, look, it's been a lot of fun and it will continue to be so we have our stories up. Go read them. Um, Sunday, the afternoon games, obviously there's no Monday night game this week. That will be the teller on, on what the Browns layout is for week 18. During the Sunday night game, I believe the announcement will come of when the games will be. So more than likely the Browns are going to play Sunday at one. But if the Bengals would win or if the Ravens would lose, there is a scenario where those games get moved and the circumstances are different. What they've done in the past, guys, is if, Teams are playing for the same circumstances. They play at the same time. Uh, obviously, the three Saturday games are in their own exclusive windows. So there's a chance that if the Browns game means something and the Ravens game means something, they would both be at 430 on Sunday. But they're not going to be the only teams playing for something. So we'll see. And then I guess there's even a scenario where the Bengals are playing a one and in. And that in that case, it could be a Saturday game or the Sunday night game. But it, it feels like we're headed for Buffalo, Miami for the AFC East for that so look the browns are in the mix and the afc is wide open the ravens are the best team um they've they've proven that but the browns already beat them (laughs) they're not hitting shoulders above anyone and the and the niners were the best team and the ravens absolutely stomped them so i think anybody can do this if you have that magic one and the browns are in that mix so thank you for listening we got to get out of here talk to you guys soon thank you